Okay, I just want you to know that uh, I made a list of the things I wanted Paul to communicate, so he's right on, on my list. No, no. I've been looking at that list for about 25 years, Russ. <laughs> no, knowing you and knowing what you're on about, there's a fair thing, uh, fair chance we're on pretty much the same thing. So, same Bible, same Jesus. We've had the privilege of serving in the same church and then different nations. Now we're at least back in the same nation. There is a little bit of sea between us. Same team. But we can overcome that with an aeroplane. Same team. Same team. I'm going to talk a little bit about team shortly. I want to finish talking about deacons because we're still looking at... Remember where we launched, right? Philippians 1.1. We looked at some components that are critical to the context of a local church. And we looked at the first two saints, which we need and we have, elders, which we need and we have. Then we're going to look at the last one from that little intro passage, deacons. And yes, it is very normal for me to take a very long time to unpack scripture. We've been in a series in our church in the book of James for two years-ish. Five chapters. You'd think you'd be able to get through that in about five or six weeks, wouldn't you? Not so much. I think we're in Hebrews for three years. Which, I mean, that's amazing. Hebrews is teaching us all about faith. And then James comes along and very practically teaches us, now Now you know what faith is, what do you do with it? So we're doing that. So yeah, these guys are just going, yeah, he's in no hurry. <laughs> All right, deacons. I am going to hurry up a little bit. We're going to look at these guys called deacons. Who are these people? Deeks. What do they do? They deek. So... Actually, one of the things I forgot to say about eldering, elders, I said that that's always a plural term. Now, I don't mean to be controversial. I'm just teaching what the Bible says. The, the other thing to, to know about elders is the context is always masculine. Uh, it only, the, it, the Bible only... Sorry? <laughs> the, the, let me bring freedom. The Bible only addresses masculine Elders. Now we can get hung up on that and go, oh, so what? In this model, we don't. My wife isn't Pastor Nicole. Well, hang on. I'm not Pastor Paul, so what are we arguing about? <laughs> the, the, the word elder, bishop, overseer, pastor, it's never used in scripture as a title, it's used as a function. So if I'm going to say, well, if, if my wife's going to get hung up because she can't take the title, I don't have a title. What's the difference? We both have functions, but my function as an elder in the local church is to carry the weight and the responsibility of government and directing the affairs. She doesn't have to do those things. Yet she can prophesy and she can preach and she can teach and she can minister any way she likes in the context of our local church. She's absolutely unhindered in the ministry that she can engage in in the local church, but she doesn't have the weight of government on her shoulders. How is that a problem? The more I try and teach this to you, the more I want that for me. 
all the fun without the hard work. Where's the problem? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I've got denominational friends who are pastors and their goal is her role. Seriously. These guys, they start churches, they build churches, they build leadership teams and their whole goal is to hand their church over to another, their executive guy so they can become itinerant, which means what? They get to go everywhere, do everything, all the fun stuff, all the ministry with none of the responsibility. She already has that. <laughs> Why fight for something no one wants? <laughs> 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 like we can fight and argue and go, oh, but I want to be Pastor Nicole. Or we can go, well, I'm Nicole who's married to Paul who is a pastor, but he's not Pastor Paul, so who cares? <laughs> Just do the function. Get on with loving the people. Get out in front and take people somewhere. Like, it's not rocket surgery. <laughs> All right, deacons. Deacons, these, the, 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 I guess the big passage for deacons is in Acts 6. And in Acts 6, we see some deacons appointed, I think, don't we, Russ? Just, just making sure we're... So it says in Acts 6. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, so kingdom advancement, church growth is happening... A complaint by the Hellenists rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution, which in the scheme of the kingdom advancing is really not that big of an issue, is it? But for them it clearly was, and it was causing, the issue was causing division. So the threat, I mean, racial and discriminationary issues in the life of the church potentially causing division. Imagine that. We've never seen that in any church anywhere, have we? <laughs> so you would think, oh, well, you know, the, the pastors, the bishops, the overseers, they'll fix this. No. They said our role is the, 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 to pray and the word. So we want to equip some of you guys to solve some of these problems. The church is on the verge of division. And the pastors delegate some authority to these people called deacons and say, sort this out. How huge is that? We think deacons are just like the chair monitors. <laughs> they put out the chairs on Sunday. If you're a deacon, because the word deacon translates to, to serve. So they deke, they serve. So they make sure the food's at the back and they make sure the chairs are straight. Everyone loves to have that one deacon who comes along and just millimetre perfect. Because we like order when someone else is responsible for it, don't we? And, and we, like, that's, that's what deacons are, all the practical, keep things neat and if all rubbish on the floor, better tell one of the deacons or went to the restroom and had a little rest and I found out afterwards there was no paper to clean up my rest. <laughs> So I better let one of the deacons know. <laughs> you actually, you know, or even some people want to let one of the pastors know. You actually don't need a theology degree to replace a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> Put that in your notes and make sure if you get nothing else today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 
You can always bring your own role. Right? There's somebody who lives to serve. <laughs> so there's racial tension, there's discrimination, all of this stuff's happening and the preachers say, hey, we're not going to stop preaching to sort out disputes. We're not going to stop praying to sort out problems. Why? Because if they stop praying, there's going to be a lot more problems. Why? Because the umbrella's down. Yeah. We don't want the umbrella down. We've got to do whatever we can do in the life of our local church, whether we're an elder, whether we're a deacon, whether we're a saint, or whether we're the person who sneaks in every Sunday because there's a free coffee. We need to do whatever we can to make sure our team is able to keep the umbrella up. Which means we might sort out a few little problems, but it means they keep doing what they're doing. So from that group of people, because it says there in verse 3, they chose from within their gathering. So people who were the first thing of good repute. People that had a good reputation within the body. They didn't just pick, you know, all right, look around. Who's not here? Give them the jobs. <laughs> they can't defend themselves. They can't say no. They walk in next Sunday. Away, oh, we're so glad you're here today. Here's your list of jobs. <laughs> When did I get all these jobs? Last week when you weren't here to say no. It's great to have you here today. God bless you, brother. They're people of good repute. And then it, it can't be just a practical task because it says they need to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. You don't need the Holy Spirit's wisdom to make a chair straight. You just need a good observation. <laughs> Those without the observation need the wisdom and the spirit. But I'm, I'm hoping that here we have got some of those people with, the, you know, some people walk in, they just go, oh, there was 26 people here and there was a piece of rubbish on the floor there and when that chair over there was crooked and that happened and this happened and uh, the, the coffee thing was, like they're just details people. Good repute, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom. Then it says full of faith. Again, like some of these practical tasks, you think, why do we need to be full of faith to do those things? Let me say this. If we're doing these things, what does it take to please God? Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if we, our role is serving and making sure the chairs are straight and all of that, if we're doing that without faith, we're just doing a job. But if we're that person who does that with faith, oh, the favour and delight of God comes into the whole church because one person served with faith. Everybody else lives blessed because somebody served with faith. We need those servants with faith. Right, so they found some of those people and they appointed them. What happened after they appointed them? I'm glad you asked that question. See, Russ is obviously teaching well and you guys ask really good questions. So it says they, they did that and they did that and then they saw that and then they set them aside. Oh, and verse 7, the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So the, the church flourished and thrived and grew and the kingdom expanded because they appointed these people to sort out the issues. And then it says, and Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. 
Would Stephen have been doing these great signs and wonders and miracles if he hadn't been appointed to that role? Most probably not. Because that being appointed to that role was what gave him the freedom to minister in that capacity in that context. Such life in God's pattern. That's an excellent response. <laughs> right, so we need saints, we need elders, we need deacons. But wait, there's more. Let's go back to Philippians 1. If we go down a little bit, so we saw there saints, elders, deacons. If we go down to verse uh, 3 and 4, it says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for all, for you all, making my prayer with great joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So there's another vital component of a local church there. Partnership. Partnership. As a group of saints that have got some biblical structure, we've got some elders, we've got some deacons, we've got some pattern, we've got some idea where we're going and what we're doing, we need to be involved in a partnership that gives us a gospel reach well beyond our own context. As well as giving us a gospel reach beyond our context, it gives us input from beyond our context. That is so vital. Yeah. We've had, in, in the life of our church, we've led for 13 years, and every now and then, like, we try and get team guys in, NCMI team guys, whenever we can. And we've got some great guys all over the world. I think at the moment, Russ, the team's like somewhere around four or 500 couples. I think it's around 500 couples all over the world. There's over 10,000 churches that partner with this team in how many nations? 105 nations. Now, all of a sudden, this church has a context well beyond its local context. Yeah, if our scope is our neighbourhood, then our potential for kingdom expansion is limited. But in a partnership we go from a local church in a local context to a local church in a global context we instead of being hey our our, our field is Launceston it's our field is the world and we have churches on the ground in over 105 nations with over 500 team couples all over the world working into all of those churches everywhere and we can go get involved anywhere and then come back we can go serve, we can come back, we can go learn, we can come back. And some of them will come in here as well. So we've had people coming into our church over the 13 years. And they come in and they go, hey, you, you, you're on task, that's great, you're on mission, but have you noticed this? No. Why didn't we notice it? Because we're there all the time. <laughs> that's, you know how we just embrace and accept what's normal for us? And sometimes somebody comes along and goes, you know that thing that is normal for you? That's actually not normal. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. <laughs> That's not that helpful. Have you thought about not doing that or have you thought about doing that? And he's like, oh, no, we couldn't see the wood for the trees. So 
having a set of eyes, a set of ears, and somebody coming in from the outside can save us years of stagnation because they can come in and go, hey, you know what, if we just stir here, get the water moving there, it's not going to get stagnant. If we just give that a little bit, uh, what about a focus there? And they can just come in and help with two or three little adjustments and the church benefits and grows, the kingdom advances, the gospel increases, all of those things that we just read about because we had a partnership with somebody who was beyond ourselves. So easy, so beautiful, but often so neglected. Not for you guys. Right, so this is a... Translocal partnership, if you like. Translocal just means not from here. <laughs> we go somewhere, we get involved, and other people come here and get involved. It's really, uh, we see this pattern all through the book of Acts. Uh, what is this team? Who are they? What do they do? Oh, those are excellent questions, Russ. Gee, you equip people well. In I just have a lot of questions. <laughs> so in Acts 13 verses 1 to 3 we see that uh, God spoke to the local context and he said hey there's a couple of guys in your church this guy called Paul and this guy called Barnabas and what they're doing in your local context is awesome and there's actually another context where I need them to go do that so won't you set them aside won't you release them from your context to go be that blessing somewhere else that's what it comes down to. So they weren't just guys looking for a, a promotion. They weren't looking for a better job. They weren't looking to become itinerant so they could have all the benefits of ministry with none of the responsibilities. They carried the weight of their responsibility because in kingdom terms, profile never comes without responsibility. Unless you're my wife. In which case, you get the profile, I get the responsibility. Right? Haven't I just turned that thing on its head? <laughs> but profile and responsibility are linked. So God says, hey, these guys are carrying their responsibilities well. These guys are serving well. These guys are, what they're doing in the local context is amazing. There's another context that needs that. Let's send them. And that's what that word apostle means, sent ones. They were sent from here to there because what they were doing here was a blessing and they could use the same blessing. So let's send them there to be a blessing. So simple. It's almost like God knows what he's doing, isn't it? Why do we need these things? <laughs> that was a joke, all right? I do believe that God is in control. <laughs> Just to clarify. <laughs> That's the accountant in me. <laughs> They're always trying to be funny and they never are. <laughs> so let's, let's pick up in... We're back in Philippians 1. Let's go down to verse 9. So in verse 9, we've seen a local church that has these things in place, these saints, these elders, these deacons, this partnership. It's all flourishing and thriving. And let's look at the fruit of having that set up in place. Verse 9. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So the first thing there, the first fruit of having this, this, these elders, these deacons, these saints, this partnership is that our love abounds more and more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people come into churches all the time. Oh, there's no love, love in this church. 
None of you are that person. It's okay. We've, we had one this week. Someone told me this week, our church is not loving, it's dogmatic. I'm like, do you come on Sundays? Have you been in our meetings? Are your eyes open? Can, can you hear? Do we need to help you with, like, <laughs> clearly we're not in the same room at the same time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But it's true, it's like we can be in the same room but not see the same things because our filter system needs some of this, the elders, the deacons, the saints, the partnership to help us clean our filters. And then we see actually there's plenty of love in this church. The lack of love in the church wasn't the problem, the lack of receptivity of love in my heart was the problem. Is that okay, Ross? (laughs) But when we embrace the pattern, our love abounds more and more. All of a sudden, what we thought lacked in love, we realise actually there's plenty of love. And the, it's, it's not even just stagnant, it's abounding. There's not enough love in this church. Okay, that's a great problem. Bring some love on Sunday. <laughs> Bring some with you. Set people free. All right, the next thing, still in verse 9, knowledge and discernment. Discernment in all things. So we grow because of the pattern. When there's elders, deacons, saints, partnership, we flourish and grow and thrive as believers. We mature. We grow up. It says, verse 10, that we may approve what is excellent. It means we can tell what's excellent and what's not. If something's going south in our, in our meeting, we go, that's going south. How do we know? Because I've got discernment. Where'd we get that from? Partnership, saints, elders, deacons. Structure, godly order, growing up. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing. Verse 10, so we can be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Okay, this this, this pattern that we're looking at helps us in the process. Remember way back at the start of when I started talking, we talked about in a moment, Jesus declares us righteous. And then he spends the rest of our earthly life causing righteousness to flow out of us because of what he's done in us. So he's maturing us. He's transforming us into his own image and likeness. And this whole pattern helps that process happen in our lives. It's a good thing to align ourselves with. So congratulations, you've all done it. Well done. Verse 11, we'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ. In other words, we, we won't have to tell people we're saved. They'll take one look at us. They'll know we're saved because the fruit of righteousness, not just we speak about righteousness, the fruit of righteousness. If I walk up to a, a, a lemon tree that's got lemons all over it, I don't stand there looking at it wondering what kind of tree it is. The fruit that's on it tells me what kind of tree it is. That's what this is saying. When we're in a a local context that has a biblical pattern, people will look at us as trees and know what kind of tree we are because the fruit of righteousness will be on our lives. Verse 11, to the glory and praise of God. Verse 12, the gospel advances. Verse 13, this is where it gets interesting. In verse 13 it says, I want, to know, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What had happened to him? He got put in prison. 
so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord, so we grow in confidence because our church is in partnership and we have elders and deacons and saints, uh, in the, by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So we overcome our fears and we grow in boldness because we have these characteristics in the life of our local church. It's empowering. It's freedom and life bringing. When Paul says the, the, the imperial guard were reached because I went there. Now, we know that he, he prophesied over himself that he'd go to Rome. Do you really think that's how he envisaged it happening? No. <laughs> you know, like, uh, uh, most of us think in like, pictures and, and, and movie p- images, right? I don't think when he was like, oh, I'm going to go to Rome. I reckon there was like, you know, probably a bit of a procession. Maybe a band, hey, welcome to Rome, great to have you here, this is awesome. I don't think his mental movie went, Imperial Guard, chains, prison, stench, <laughs> chained to a big, hairy guard. And he could have got there and gone, uh, Jesus, this is not what I had in mind when you said go to Rome. But he just took the opportunity that God gave him and said, well, this joker's chained to me. He can't get away. Let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> he didn't complain about the chain. He went, this chain's awesome. It's stopping him getting away. I can miss it with the gospel 10 times. He'll still be here. I get another go and another go and another go. How long's your shift? <laughs> Pull up a chair. <laughs> He just saw everything as God's opportunity and a blessing and a provision and he rejoiced in those things and he had gratitude in those things and that released the favour of God to operate in him and through him and the gospel advanced and people were saved instead of he spoke the language of, his, uh, of the adversary, grumbling and complaining. He just rejoiced. I mean, we know that he got out of prison because of rejoicing. Try that one. I mean... Have we even thought about the whole notion that this apostolic man who was supposed to be coming into the church to be a blessing never got to the church because on the way there he got locked up and put in a prison? Imagine if Russ got up today and said, hey, thanks for coming out, everyone. Sorry, the weather's not that great. I know you have a battle to get a car park and you got in there and you're expecting Paul, but sorry, he's in the prison. You're going to go, gee... Guys call themselves pastors. They obviously can't control themselves in prison. Or would we go, wow, God really opened a door there. <laughs> Closed one behind you, but he opened it to get you in there. <laughs> the gospel gets to unlikely places when the kingdom is advancing through local churches with proper pattern and proper partnership. It's actually amazing. So I want us to look now at Ephesians 4. And we've got loads of time left. God be praised. And in Ephesians 4, we're going to understand a little bit more about who it is that we partner with. It's okay that we... I've given us a bit of background. We, we, we know what a saint is. We know what an elder is. We know what a deacon is. We know we've got to have a partnership with these people. But who are these people and what do they do? Excellent questions. 
Ephesians 4. Where's Ephesians? You laugh, but on this side of the pulpit, everything becomes harder. Yeah, but I'm not in Philippians anymore. (laughs) 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 Ephesians. My Bible is so worn out, it just doesn't go anywhere easily. All right, Ephesians 4, which is good. My nana always told me, clean Bible, dirty Christian, dirty Christian, uh, dirty Bible, clean Christian. All right, now everybody's looking down going, it's new, it's new, leave me alone. (laughs) I just bought this one this morning. (laughs) I trust you, it's okay. Mine's dirty. I I can't preach from a clean one though, because it's got all my stuff in it. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to pick up in verse 11. And he gave, speaking of Jesus, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. We are to grow up. We are to grow up. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. That's that transforming process I've been talking about. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. So this is a fruit of Partnership. This is what happens when we partner. So it says that Jesus gave some gifts to the church. Now, as somebody who leads a church, I think if, he, if, if Jesus said to me, hey, give me a list of the gifts you need, I don't think I would have come up with this list. Because he says he, the gifts he gives us are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Five of them. We refer to them as the fivefold gifts. I think my list would have been more like a huge building, a huge bank account, some awesome worship leaders, a nice car wouldn't hurt, if we can sneak that one in there, Maserati, Bugatti, not fussy. We might put things on there like a kids ministry Program leader, somebody who's awesome with children. And and we can write this big list and and, and yes, that would be helpful. That would be a great gift. That That would help us get what we need. But Jesus, knowing what we need, gave us these. Oh, but if he just gave us a massive bank account, couldn't we just take care of everything from there? Well, if we could, he would have. And he didn't. So we can't. (laughs) He gave us apostles. Who are these apostles? Remember the word apostle means sent one. He gave us sent ones. Why? To help us become all of those other things that we're going to look at in a minute. We're not going to be all of those if we don't have any sent ones, which I think there's two aspects to this. We need to be receiving 
ones who are sent from somewhere else, and we need to grow to a place where we are sending some sent ones as well, partnering. These guys were sent to you guys. They're a blessing. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> but they've been to us. They've, they've, these guys have ministered and preached in our church. And we've been in other places. I've been in other countries where this guy's got up to preach and I've sat there scratching my head going, I didn't know Russ knew all that. How does he know all this? He's forgotten more than I know. <laughs> That's, he's a gift. Which to me says, as a local church in a partnership, it needs to be probably understood that, hey, you're going to receive some gifts, but you're going to send some gifts too. These guys need to be still going and doing. Which means we need a local context that can sustain when they're not here. Which is, <laughs> Mary's like, I'm pretty happy here. <laughs> the, the nations are needy. And God's put gifts and, and abilities and talents and things in this couple that the world still needs. I don't think God's put them in semi-retirement in Tasmania to kick back and enjoy the rest of their earthly life. I'm not, honestly, I mean, Russ and Mary know me well enough to know. I'm not trying to be dishonouring in saying they're older than I am. I'm saying it's not semi-retirement. There's still gifts. There's still a mission. It's still the globe. But a local church in partnership has global impact. Apostles, I mean... You are older than me, which doesn't mean I need to make humour about it. We just know that. <laughs> we have known each other for about 25 years. It's like Tim said, I met you when I was two. <laughs> yeah, leading a church anywhere is not semi-retirement. <laughs> so, I mean, to me, to, to one I'm this and to that I'm another, to who cares what everyone is. Well, I mean, to, to me, this guy is an apostle. He might say differently. He might say he's one more one of the other things. But you know what? I think one of the hallmarks of a true apostle is you see evidence of all the other four in them. Yes. It's a prophet. When a prophet comes to your church, we, we don't get the prophet in so they can just prophesy over everyone. We get the prophet in so they can equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So when the true prophet comes in, they equip the saints to prophesy. Yes. So when they, they might prophesy over a few people to show us and help us and demonstrate this is how it's done. Now come, let's do this. But when the prophet leaves, the prophetic in the church has increased yes. because more of the saints are doing the work of the prophetic ministry. Yes. So we had one prophet. We got a prophet in. Now we have ten prophets. Yes. That's the way the kingdom works. If same with an evangelist. We bring in an evangelist and we just had one in our church. Now we don't bring in the evangelist and go, hey, our city's so hard. You know, we brought you in because we can't reach these knuckleheads. So you know, you're more anointed for this than we are. So you go reach some knuckleheads. 
And then they come in on Sunday and reach a few knuckleheads. We go, great, the church just grew. Woo-hoo. No, no, what happened was this guy came in and he equipped us yeah. to reach the knuckleheads. They're not really knuckleheads. <laughs> so he equipped us. You know what happened? He came in. He saw people saved. I mean, you can't, honestly, you couldn't take this guy anywhere. I went to get my hair cut. This one. I've got to keep it nice and short. I was growing a bit of a mullet. It was at least three millimetres long. So I went to get a beard trim and a haircut, and I'm, I'm in the chair getting seen to, and I can hear him in the background. He's over at the cash register talking to the, the, the young lady who wasn't cutting hair right then. He's like, ah, so which church do you go to? She's like, I don't go to a church. He's like, well, why not? <laughs> so the conversation's progressing. Turns out she has a belief in a God, probably ours. But the reason she doesn't go to church is because they're full of weird people. This is her words, not mine. <laughs> She's like, no, I don't want to go to church. I just want to hang out with some normal people. So he says, what about that guy? Points to me. What about that guy? He comes in here, gets his hair cut all the time. You know him. Is he normal? Oh, yeah, he's normal. You know he's a pastor of a church, right? Yeah. Did you ever think maybe his church was full of normal people? <laughs> Didn't really think about it. So, maybe you should come check out his church. She says, maybe I will. How easy is that? I'm sitting there being equipped by listening to his conversation. I'm going, oh, is that all you have to do? Yeah, for me it was, oh, if you haven't got a five-point plan on redemption, you better keep your mouth shut. <laughs> He's like, no, you just talk to people normally about normal things and show them that Jesus is good. What happened? When he left, almost daily since he left, we've seen people saved in our city in and through our local church. Why? Because God gave us a gift. <laughs> An evangelist who came in and trained us for the work of the ministry. We are better evangelists because we brought an evangelist in. Then there's the pastor. I think, oh, that's an odd one. The other ones are all like dynamic and, you know, put them up front and the, watch the smoke and the bubble. What's the pastor going to do? Well, he's actually going to equip believers to pastor people. He's going to teach the body to take care of itself. He's going to equip the whole body. You know, in 1 Peter, it talks about we're, we're a kingdom of priests. We're a nation of priests. Where do we learn to priest and pastor from? The pastor who comes in and equips the body to do the work of the ministry. I need to get one in because that's not my strength. Then the next one's teachers. You get the teacher in. They don't just stand up and dazzle us with their amazing, awesome understanding of everything. They actually, I mean, they take the complex and they make it plain and they make it simple. Yeah. And then we can go do the plain and simple. Because only some of us can do the complex. Right? Russ told me in the break, you play drums. I'm like, ah, oh, complexity. Of course you're comfortable with complexity. I'm a drummer too. We thrive in complexity. But that's beside the point. Where was I? <laughs> Teachers. It's like any Muppet can take the simple and present it in such a way that it seems intelligent and complex. But no one can do it. 
It takes a gift to take the complex and present it and make it simple and plain. That's the gift of the teacher. Now, I've known Russ for 25 odd years. Most of them were quite odd. (laughs) Odd being the absolute emphasis. More me than you. But I've seen Russ equip people to prophesy. I've seen Russ equip people to evangelise. I've seen Russ equip people to pastor. And I've seen Russ teach. I mean, he, to me, he's one of the finest teachers I know of on the planet. Not even kidding. This guy, when he teaches, I listen. Because it, he takes the complex and he makes it so simple that I go, I can do that. I, can, I have faith now for that. Because it looked hard, but it doesn't look hard anymore. It looks simple, and I think I can do that. So in my experience of this guy, I've seen evidence of the, of the other four, which tells me he must be the other one. Because right? in the apostle, you see evidence of all. In the guy who came to us a few weeks ago, he was the evangelist. He, he wasn't a teacher. He wasn't a pastor, although he you know, had something of a pastor's heart, that wasn't his thing. His thing was evangelism, evangelism, evangelism. But guys who operate in all, all five of these things, they're a gift to the church. I feel like wrapping you up, Russ, handing you over. <laughs> Verse 12 tells us why do we have partnership with these guys? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ. So if the, if the body of Christ is not being built up, maybe we need a gift. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we need a gift. Which gift do we need? We, that, you know, we did this recently in, in Victoria. Some of us guys on the NCMI team got together and went, we've got an equip coming up, a Vic equip. What gift do we need? We don't want to just get a guest minister in and comes and preaches something and everyone goes, well, that was oh, nice. We want to get in a gift that's going to leave a a deposit and a residue that we're all different as a result. So we said, okay, let's be honest. You know, pastors get together and say, how's your church? Oh, it's strong. Yeah. How's it going? Oh, great. Praise the Lord. We got through all that and we got really honest and we went, are there some weaknesses in our churches? Yes. And we started to talk about them. And we started to realise there was a corresponding problem in all of the churches that we were representing. We all had a deficiency in this area of evangelism. So then we went, well, evangelist is one of the five gifts that Jesus gave his church. Let's get one of them in. (laughs) And let's help heal this weakness and this deficiency. And that's exactly what we've seen happen because we're part of a partnership in God's plan. The body is now being built up. Now we can argue and say, but no, these apostles, didn't they all die? Like Peter and Paul, like these guys were apostles, but they're dead. Didn't, didn't, isn't that out the window now? But see, verse 13 tells us that's not the case because it says that we need the five gifts until we all attain to the unity of the faith. If we look around the body of Christ today, I am not trying to be rude, I'm trying to point out a point. 
Is there in the body of Christ today a unity of the faith? No. So therefore, are these five gifts still required? (coughs) That unity of the faith is a fruit of the gifts. So obviously we still need the gifts. So Jesus didn't give them to us and then kill them all. And then say, well, you missed it, bad luck. He just keeps training and equipping and raising up and releasing new gifts. (laughs) says, Paul's gone, but here's a Russ. Peter's gone, but here's a Matt. And he keeps bringing gifts into the body to help us to grow and to, to thrive and become, to establish this unity of the faith. And then we go, oh, okay, well, unity of faith, we're actually doing okay in that, there's a, but there's a bit more. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. How's our unity around the knowledge of the Son of God? Now, here we go, yeah, no, we're pretty good. What about with all the other parts of the body of Christ? It's still, these gifts are needed. Then it says, not just so that you know, we can be kind of semi-mature, it says, no, no, to mature manhood. Not just any man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I wonder if any of us would put up our hand. Don't, please, just sit still. <laughs> but if we said, who here in this room has achieved the mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I don't think we're going to see many hands. We still need the gifts. We still need the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist to equip us in these things. Why? Verse 14. So that we, us, may no longer be children. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Now, how many times have we seen over, I mean, if our church history is more than five minutes, we've probably seen some carried about by some wind of doctrine. We probably have friends who are no longer in our churches. We might not be in the same church. God might have done something with us. But there's this movement that happens, some of which is a result of people being carried about by winds of doctrine. This is the new thing. It's all about grace now. And then everything that we think is not grace, we just, "Ah, it's not that anymore. It's grace now, right? Stop talking about Jesus. Stop talking about apostolic pattern. It's all grace now, Russ. Cotton on, son. Well, these are the expectations being put on local church pastors. Sometimes we need the gifts to come in and go, hey, guys, you're right, grace is important, but it's one aspect. It's one attribute. It's one contributing factor. Let me help you see 500 more. And all of a sudden we're expanded and we're grown. That's called maturing we're not obsessed with one element anymore that's a good thing right we're not tossed about by the new new things you guys are part of a church that doesn't drop its whole thing every three months and pick up a new thing what a blessing that is 
And everybody who's been in a church that does that is nodding, going, yes, that is a blessing. Because there are so many churches that that's normal. What our emphasis for three months is this, and then after that, right, now we've got this, and now the emphasis here is never changing. It's Jesus' church, and he's coming back for it one day, so get ready. (laughs) We're not going to be undone by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes you know every now and then I mean after 13 years we've been pastoring in 13 years we've seen some people come in to the body of Christ in our context that have had some deceitful schemes and their mission is to come in and cause a bit of disruption and get maybe a few people to get blown around by their wind of doctrine and then take them off and go do their own thing you know, the evangelist came into us a couple of weeks ago. He said, guys, we come in here, we get strengthened, we get trained, we get equipped, we go out, we reach people, we bring them in. If we get taken out, where are we going to bring them into? We don't come into the local church and take people out to go do our thing. We go out, we reach people, and we bring them in to do his thing. It's so clear when the right gifts come in and make the complex simple. So we've had to undo some of these deceitful schemes. Now, in the early days, we, oh, I felt like more like a fireman than a pastor. Always running around, putting out... Oh, no, no. We don't do any of that anymore. Why? Because we've spent 13 years teaching book after book after book of the Bible. So now when these people come in, they talk to two or three people, and the two or three people go... Because they've grown and they've matured and they go, no, this is weird. This is not our diet. This is not what we're on about. I don't know where this person's from, but they're not going anywhere with us. We don't have to worry about the deceitful schemes. Jesus gave us gifts. Rather, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love, (laughs) So we've got to be able to speak the truth. Some people tell me, Paul, you speak the truth, but it's not very loving. <laughs> That's, no, no, we've just got a, sometimes a misguided idea of what loving is. It's, you know, I, I had a, a long conversation with a guy who's no longer in our church because he didn't feel like I was loving. But when I looked at, at the, 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 the scope of his life, this guy was in his 30s, married with kids. And if he'd wake up in the morning and his car wouldn't start, he'd phone his dad, and his dad would leave his workplace and come around and jumpstart his car. All of a sudden it hit me. That's what he thinks loving is. You make a mess, I'll clean it up. You mess it up, I'll fix it up. That's his, that's his scope of love. Whereas I come in and have the audacity to go, you know what, let's take it back a few steps. I don't want to clean up your mess all the time. I want to teach you to live a way that doesn't make mess. Have you ever thought of joining the RACV? (laughs) Or whatever it is here. The RACT. Have you ever thought about joining the RACT? No, why would I do that? Well then, if you get up in the morning and your car won't start, because you've neglected to maintain your vehicle, your responsibility, instead of phoning your dad, who's in his 70s, 
and has to leave his workplace to come and help clean up your mess, you could phone the RACT and they'll come clean up your mess. He's like, why would I want to do that? See, his grid of love was, was wrong. God has to come in sometimes and realign our grids. So actually, it's more loving to help us learn how to not make mess than it is to just clean up our mess. We do this in the natural all the time, don't we? Any parents in the room? When we have little babies, they wear these things called nappies. And they have a gift (laughs) filling them with mess. All very natural. Wouldn't that be a problem if in the coffee break I said to you guys, look, I'm just going to have to take James into the ensuite at the back because I've got to change his nappy. Wouldn't you guys be like, well, that's a bit weird. (laughs) Because as a good, responsible parent aided by an outstanding parent. (laughs) We actually got to a point with him where we went, you know what? We're going to teach you how to stop making that mess. That's good parenting. But yet there's believers all through the body of Christ that are like, I've been saved 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, and Russ, you're my pastor now. You better clean up my mess. And Russ says, Sorry, how old did you say you were in the Lord? 50? And you're still making mess? Come do some life with us. Let us disciple you. Let us train and equip you. Let us bring some gifts in. We're going to help you not to make mess all the time. (laughs) That's good parenting. That's a father who walks out in front. I should do less notes. <laughs> I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> we grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. Okay, so we become more like Christ when we're growing through this whole process. He is transforming us, but He uses this pattern. He uses this in the process of transforming us. He uses these five gifts. He uses the elders, the deacons, the saints. All of these things are part of what God uses to help us grow and mature and look more like him. Then it says, From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. So you guys are here to be equipped. Hopefully some equipping is taking place. And then what happens when we're equipped? We go hold the body together. Russ doesn't have to hold the body together. Yeah. Russ doesn't have to take a, a you know, quick video of the room. Right, who wasn't here? Go find them. All right. They're not here and not on any given Sunday. Because the body, when it's working properly, holds itself together. Yes. Under the umbrella that's provided. <laughs> it, all of a sudden... It's not the pastor's fault if great auntie Betty doesn't come for three weeks. You don't have a great auntie Betty, do you? (laughs) It's the body works together and makes sure that we stay together. When each part is working properly, it makes 
the body grow? This is one of those moments in a church where we have to choose to respond, but don't react. Because <laughs> right? a reaction says, I don't want the responsibility of growth. I want that to be our pastor's problems. But maturity says, I can help with this. I can be part of the body. And when I'm functioning properly, the body's going to grow. And our church has just been through some of this. An evangelist came in and had the audacity to tell our whole church, you know, you can reach lost people, right? <laughs> you, that goes to that place and works. And you, that goes to that universe. You have influence with lost people that your pastor doesn't. So function correctly and the body will grow. And we've seen it grow because the equipping took place. We didn't rely on the one or two to make the body grow. So there's two aspects there. The first is we, we help to hold the body together, which means we're not losing people every Sunday. So, you know, we get to a church of 50, and every three months it's a different 50. <laughs> we never exceed 50 because 20 people join, 20 people leave. It's like both doors are wide open. But when the body's working properly... One door's wide open, we're bringing people in through it, but the other one's shut by the body. It's beautiful, isn't it? The body builds itself up in love. How do we get the body building itself up in love? We have a local church that has a local context and in that local context, it has elders, it has deacons, it has saints, and it has a global partnership with an apostolic prophetic team made up of the gifts, the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. It has global scope, which means there's plenty of room for everyone to be involved in mission. Yeah. We can all go do something. <laughs> we can all make a difference, and we can have people in to help us make a difference. This is God's pattern. This is God's plan for the church. And you guys are part of it. Even if you didn't know before you came in this morning, I hope that I've taken the time today to make it very clear. You're part of it. You're in a local church. You have plurality of elders. You have deacons. You have saints. You have a partnership. There are people being saved on this planet today because of the partnership you're in. You live in a very big, wide world and you are engaging in it. Even if you've never gone anywhere. If you pray, yeah. as a believer, you're part of what's happening. Why? Because the umbrella you're under is under a bigger one. Which is under a bigger one. Which is under a bigger one. There's a whole lot of umbrellas all over this planet. And we're all under this great big umbrella. And it's, I'm not talking like the church universal. I'm talking just in our partnership. Over 10,000 churches. Hundreds and hundreds of team people. Hundreds and hundreds of these fivefold gifts. Working into all of these churches. Strengthening, encouraging, helping the body take care of itself. 
and to grow. 1229. Thank you.